Section 15, Chapter 9, Part 2 of The Life and Adventures of Kit Carson. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Gary Ullman. The Life and Adventures of Kit Carson by DeWitt C. Peters. Section 15 chapter nine part two but to effect this was attended with no slight difficulties kit carson had a large sum invested in his improvements by way of permits for labor as well as purchases of stock provisions farming tools utensils teams wagons, seed and stock in general the erection of his house barns etc was under an advance which reached far towards completion but with kit carson his word was worth more than prospective losses which its fulfillment would entail in company with mr owens he set himself actively at work to effect a complete sell-out after a good deal of anxious inquiry he found a man who was willing to pay one half of the real valuation attached to his property notwithstanding this sacrifice the bargain was closed and the business details completed in company with mr owens kit carson once more bade his family and friends an affectionate farewell they took the route for bent's fort and arrived there in the course of a few days the meeting between fremont and carson was mutually satisfactory with his friend mr owens he joined the third expedition of colonel fremont which was the last one which he undertook by authority of the united states government a long tramp was before them the arrangements preparatory were therefore made with corresponding care and diligence the route led up the arkansas river to the point where that stream leaves the mountains thence they made a circuit by the balo saludo or soda springs coming back again upon the arkansas striking the stream above the great canyon thence they journeyed on to the headwaters of the river here they left the arkansas river and took a direct route for the piney river down which latter stream they traveled to a spot within twenty-five miles of its mouth from this place they continued their explorations of the country to the head of the white river following down it they soon reached the mountains crossing them they proceeded to provost's fork at this spot a desperate fight once occurred between a party of trappers and a band of hostile indians the trappers were commanded by a man whose name has ever since been applied to the stream prevost although he had a strong party and fought a most desperate battle nevertheless was outnumbered outgeneraled and most completely overpowered the indians succeeded in killing the entire party including himself with but four exceptions these four escaped only with the greatest difficulty and prudence though through them the particulars of the affair became known to the mountaineers colonel fremont we should before this have mentioned that fremont had been promoted in the corps of topographical engineers from the post of lieutenant to the rank of captain by brevet 
now examined the country as far as the south side of the great salt lake passing on his route a smaller body of water which for years had been known as little utah lake the command halted at great salt lake a few days to recruit preparatory to undertaking the further exploration of the lake together with one of its largest islands which would be reached by this southern route the indians met with them on the journey informed them that on this island there was plenty of fresh water and game in abundance on arriving at a suitable place colonel fremont pitched his tents for the main camp on the following morning taking kit carson and a few chosen men colonel fremont started to explore the island the reports of the indians were proven to be true in addition to plenty of fresh water and game they discovered very good timber growing there the game which proved to be antelope was so abundant that they decided to kill from the herds a quantity sufficient for future use the island was about fifteen miles in length by about five in breadth from the mainland to the island they were able to ride their horses as the water was not deep upon the banks of the lake they found the salt deposit to vary from the thickness of a wafer to the depth of twelve inches having made their observation the small party returned to the main camp on the following day the journey was resumed the route leading around the south side of the lake until they reached the last fresh water to be found in that direction before them lay a wide and unknown desert over which no white man had ever passed kit carson had been at this spot several times in previous years and had often heard the oldest trappers speak of the impossibility of crossing it for man or beast they had always shrunk from a path apparently endless which offered appearances of neither grass nor water colonel fremont had determined to try the formidable desert and if possible unfold its hidden secrets his men were equally ambitious with himself and were ready to second his efforts without fearing the trials or suffering which the desert route might exact colonel fremont arranged all of his plans commiserate with the hardships and expectancy early the subsequent morning he dispatched kit carson maxwell and two others as an advance party to break the road and look for a camping site with his telescope he then ascended a neighboring mountain to watch the little party of pioneers in the event that water and grass should be found kit carson's orders were to build a fire the smoke of which would serve as a signal to fremont who would immediately follow up their trail with the whole command for sixty miles kit carson with his little party traveled over this level barren and sandy desert without coming to a drop of water or a blade of grass at the end of this distance they reached the mountains on the west side of the lake and found both in abundance the signal of smoke was now made according to agreement even at this long distance fremont discovered it and immediately set his party in motion kit carson sent back one of the men to meet the main body and guided across the dreary waste before the party had accomplished more than half the distance to kit carson's advance night set in forcing the whole band to encamp without water grass or fuel 
the camp became more necessary because the darkness was so great that they could not follow the trail in a night march early the following day the march was resumed and a few hours served once more to reunite the command they had the misfortune however to lose a few of their animals the place which kit carson had selected for the camp was to the weary travelers in every respect equal to an oasis on the great sierra there is no one thing which a traveler on the plains dreads more than being forced to camp without water and grass at this resting place colonel fremont in order to accomplish as much as possible divided his forces into two commands one of them he gave into the charge of mr talbot his assistant and appointed for his guide a mountaineer named walker to this party colonel fremont gave instructions to shape their course for mary's river on striking which they were to follow down the stream to where it is lost in the great basin colonel fremont retained with him fifteen men beside his guide the route which he pursued lay in the country south of mary's river forming a large tract of land which it was very desirable that he should explore after finishing this he was to join talbot on the lake which is formed by the widening of the canyon of the carson river the country through which colonel fremont traveled he found to be well furnished with grass water and wood it is highly picturesque but as its characteristics are so vividly painted in his reports it is superfluous to add our attempt to the same task having arrived at the lake already mentioned he there awaited the arrival of talbot it was three days before the command was again united they however remained together only one night early the following morning they separated once more this time talbot's instructions were to find a certain pass which would bring him out in the vicinity of the sierra nevada mountains which he was to cross and then keep on his course for the waters of san joaquin fremont with his division journeyed up the carson river and after traveling the sierra nevada mountains he arrived safe at Sutter's Fort, without meeting with any incidents that were not to be expected on such a trip. Captain Sutter, with his usual urbanity of manner, kindly received them and supplied their wants. Of him, Fremont purchased forty head of cattle and a few horses, with which he set out to look for Mr. Talbot. In doing so, he traveled up the valley of the San Joaquin and forded the river at about where it is ushered forth from the mountains mr talbot was not to be found in this direction so the party went to king's river and journeyed up it to its headwaters it now happened that the cattle belonging to the party began to grow footsore and weary from travel over rocky trails and through deep snows it became evident that the look for men were not in that quarter therefore fremont returned to the prairies near by in the hopes of saving his cattle but when he arrived there he was destitute of these animals for they had all given out and died the party had previous to this misfortune killed some of the best of the oxen and prepared the meat to carry along with them but in no great quantities as their riding animals were not strong enough to bear heavy burdens 
The command had hardly left the mountains and succeeded in reaching the prairies before they were obliged to submit to further trials and losses. After giving into camp one night, the men, tired and worn out by much labor, had lain down to rest. As a guard had been posted, they gave themselves but little concern about danger. Their sentinels were not on the lookout as sharply as they might have been. The consequence was that some hostile Indians crept within their lines and killed two mules, which depredation was not discovered until the next morning. Fremont had no animals remaining in condition to give chase, and therefore had quietly to submit to his loss. He now resolved to give up for the time being his search for Talbot's party and return to Sutter's Fort where he could reorganize. While on their road to the fort, the men came suddenly upon a band of the same Indians who had recently annoyed them. These fellows seemed to invite an engagement and were gratified by Colonel Fremont. In the skirmish that ensued, they lost five warriors killed. The rest fled. The party, after undergoing many hardships, finally reached the point of destination during the latter part of this tramp game had become so scarce the men had to shoot whatever came in their way this time it chanced to be wild horses when they arrived at the fort they were on foot their saddle and pack animals having all given out and broken down by the kind assistance of mr sutter they were furnished anew after recruiting a little of their own worn-out bodies they started on their second trip in quest of their companions. They traversed the coast range and went to San Jose to see if they could hear anything through the Mexicans and Indians who resided there concerning the whereabouts of the missing men. As perchance some of the hunters or traders among these people might, in their travels, have met or heard something of them. On making inquiries in San Jose, they were informed that the party was encamped at a well-known place on the San Joaquin. This piece of intelligence immediately decided Fremont to dispatch Carson and two companions to that section of country, while he and the remainder of the men would remain where they were and await his return. Kit Carson performed his mission with his usual promptness and soon returned with his charge when the expedition was once more united under one leader owing to the great trials and privations recently met with and the inability to procure at sutter's fort all that was wanted in the matter of an outfit therefore it was determined upon that the party should proceed next to monterey where they knew they could purchase the articles they were actually required while en route and when within thirty miles of this last-named town an impertinent order was received from general castro the mexican commander of the territory the purport of this order was that fremont and his party must immediately vacate the country without further notice or else the gallant general would be obliged to drive them out 
It was late in the afternoon when, when the messenger with this document arrived in Fremont's camp, yet he found time the same day to pack up and fall back to a place where he could fortify his position, as he felt confident that this was but an empty excuse which the Mexican general had invented to prevent him from penetrating further into the country. The Americans had hardly got any things in proper trim before the Mexican general, the head of several hundred troops, arrived and established his camp and headquarters within sight of the former, being deluded with the belief that he would easily intimidate the exploring party. The general commenced firing his cannon and making a great uproar. He had all branches of the service with him including artillery infantry and cavalry in the intention of intimidation however he was greatly mistaken though the difference in numbers between the two parties was in itself almost decisive should they come to a conflict yet the mexicans had but poorly estimated the metal contained in the american commander and his forty men they were ready one and all to sell their lives dearly in a cause good as that before them unshaken in their purpose the little band of intrepid men remained in their camp for the period of three days the americans who were then living in monterey sent several expressmen to their countrymen warning them of their danger as they felt that the mexicans could without a doubt completely annihilate them Fremont's reply was perfectly characteristic of the man. He said he had done nothing to raise the wrath of the Mexicans, who were now treating him disgracefully. He had come to perform a duty and could not leave without executing it. In fact, neither himself nor his men would submit to be driven out of the country. At the end of three days, Fremont saw that there was no prospect of General Castro's consummating his threat, and considering that he had sufficiently shown his willingness to fight if driven to it, he therefore concluded to strike his camp and withdraw to the Sacramento River. The party were not disturbed in their movements, and on reaching this stream they followed it up until they came to Peter Lawson's trading post where Fremont intended, since he could not go to Monterey without being too rash, to purchase the outfit for the homeward-bound trip. The party remained at this post some ten days, during which time some American settlers in the neighborhood came in with the information that one thousand Indian warriors were collecting for the avowed purpose of destroying their ranches probably at the instigation of the Mexicans. The exploring party, and also five white men from the post, pro-offered their services to go to the aid of their countrymen, and shortly afterwards the whole compound under Fremont moved forward to meet and measure their strength with the savages. The village of the Indians was in due time found when the whites commenced the fight by making an attack on it. The battle was for a little while stoutly contested, but finally the red men were completely routed. The number of the killed it was difficult to ascertain, but Carson is of the opinion that this fight had the tendency of fixing on the minds of this tribe the truth of their inability to cope with white men, the convincing evidence of which was that the battleground was strewn with their dead, having more than accomplished his chastisement of the Indians, Fremont, with his party, returned to Lawson's. 
on finishing his purchases at this post whose occupants had done their utmost to supply his wants and make his stay agreeable the explorer once more set his command in motion en route for the columbia river he travelled up the sacramento and passed near the shasta buttes and thence on to the talmouth lake while encamped on the head of this collection of water news came to the party that war had been declared between the united states and mexico this intelligence had been sent to fremont through lieutenant gillespie of the united states marines who had with him six men as an escort after travelling three hundred miles over bad trails at a rapid pace his animals began to succumb to fatigue the lieutenant saw he would fail to accomplish his ends with the whole party together therefore he selected two of his most reliable men mounted them on his fleetest horses and sent them on ahead to bear the dispatches while he himself would jog on slowly the expressmen overhauled the exploring party after several days of hard travel and handed to fremont the communications as soon as he had read his letters fremont made inquiries in regard to gillespie and found that he was in rather a precarious position for should the talmouth indians take the notion they would murder him and his men just by the way of pastime fremont at once determined to return with all haste and succor gillespie from the imminent peril that surrounded him with this purpose in view he selected ten picked men leaving orders for the rest of the party to follow on his trail and set out he had traveled about sixty miles when he met the officer he was in search of coming on the meeting was very gratifying to both but especially so to fremont who was fully alive to the dangers through which gillespie had passed for the lieutenant was not sufficiently aware how black-hearted in their villainy and treachery this tribe through whose country he was passing were as he had heretofore never dealt with them a camp was selected nearby and all hands were not long in being snugly seated in it around a good fire listening to the important news fresh from the civilized world fremont sat up until about one o'clock reading his letters from the united states kit carson and owens wrapped in their saddle blankets had picked out their beds near the fire as the night was cold on concluding the reading of his correspondence fremont turned in and was soon sound asleep all was quiet for a while when kit carson heard a noise that awakened him the sound was like the stroke of an axe rising to his feet he discovered indians in the camp while in the act of reaching for his rifle he gave the alarm to his slumbering companions but two of them were already sleeping their last sleep for the fatal tomahawk had been buried in their brains one of these victims was the brave lachuness while the other was a full-blooded delaware indian as kit carson left the fire where he was too conspicuous an object he saw several warriors approaching towards it there lay near to it four other delawares who on hearing the alarm sprang to their feet one of them by the name of crane sized hold of a rifle which unfortunately was not his own and was not loaded the poor fellow was not aware of this important fact 
He kept trying to fire it while he stood erect and manfully received five arrows, all of which penetrated his left breast, and either one of which was sufficient to cause his death. At last he fell. On grasping his gun, Kit Carson remembered that the evening before he had discharged it for the purpose of cleaning it, and while doing so had accidentally broken its cap tube and consequently he had not reloaded it and this flashed across his mind he threw the rifle down and drew from his belt a single-barreled pistol with which he made at the warrior who was so safely throwing his arrows behind his companion when sufficiently near kit carson fired but as the fellow kept dodging about he only succeeded in cutting the string that held the tomahawk to its red owner's arm Maxwell now shot at this same brave and hit him in the fleshy part of one leg, and as he was turning to run, which was the case with most of the Indians by this time, a bullet from the rifle of a mountaineer passed through his heart and arrested his progress. The whites were now fully awakened to their danger and about ready to commence the fight, but the enemy had scattered. If all the savages had shown the same quickness and coolness as did their foremost warrior, the probability is that most if not the whole of the party would have been massacred as it was the attack was well planned but poorly carried out the result of the affair was that fremont lost three braves and had one other wounded slightly it now became evident that the party had fallen into a snare which was intended for lieutenant gillespie and his small force but the coming up of fremont had caused the assassins to find they had caught a tartar fremont and his party apprehended no danger that night consequently they did not post a guard and as the men were very tired they slept very soundly before lying down several of them had fired off their rifles and after cleaning them they had neglected to reload them this was the first and last time they were guilty of such a mistake while in indian country of the three men killed the one by the name of la june was the most regretted for he had been with fremont on his previous expeditions and had won the admiration and confidence of his commander and companions in a small company of men such as these expeditions were composed of where every member became intimately known and admired by his companions the loss of one would be greatly felt but when three such were thus suddenly taken it caused a gloom to be cast over the remainder not easily to be dispelled the only consolation left to the living was that they had been instrumental in saving lieutenant gillespie and his four companions therefore in sacrificing their comrades they had saved more lives than had been lost there was no more thought of sleep in this camp for that eventual night but instead the men selected positions behind neighboring trees and fallen logs and were ready to receive the enemy should they see fit to visit them again the indians however as kit carson predicted had come to the wise conclusion not to attempt so unsatisfactory a business as another attack for the gray light of the following day came without their reappearance before the sun had fairly risen fremont had broken up this camp which had become odious to the men from its unpleasant associations 
with their packs and with the bodies of their dead companions the party started to find their rear guard they had proceeded about ten miles on their journey when by unanimous consent they resolved to halt and enter the remains which they had wished to carry until they united their forces so that all could participate in the funeral rites but the woods through which they were travelling were very thick and already the bodies had become greatly disfigured on account of their frequent striking against the trees as they were fastened on the back of three animals slowly and sadly in this dense forest hundreds of miles from their nearest countrymen was this funeral procession formed a spot was selected on one side of the main trail at a distance of about one half a mile where a rude grave was dug and wrapped in their blankets in the same common house were deposited all that remained of these three brave men an observer of these obsequies would have seen the lips of daring men now and then giving spasmodic twitching eyes swimming in tears and a silence and solemnity that bespoke the truest kind of grief among that party such as one would have been sure to have marked out the countenances of kit carson for engraven on it were the throes which were troubling his kind heart on being thus obliged to separate from old friends not a man left that grave but who resolved secretly and silently to make these dastardly indians suffer for their lives they had thus wantonly taken in fact they felt it an imperative duty that they yet owed to their departed comrades who if they but stood in their places would have sworn to be avenged hence the reader must not judge them harshly if they nourish these feelings that very day the two parties met and went into camp together plans were concocted to chastise the red men soundly the next day on quitting this last resting place a squad of fifteen men were left concealed in the neighborhood in order to watch and act against any indians who by chance might be following them from one camp to another in hopes of finding something the main command then moved on slowly and had advanced but a few miles when they were overtaken by their friends who came up with two scalps these were the sum total of their morning's work the two warriors to whom they had belonged were caught following the trail as scouts of their main body on the unerring rifles of the party in ambush had performed their fearful duty end of section fifteen chapter nine part two recording by gary ullman west palm beach my village blogger